You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Primal Radio, we are back, Tom. What's up, buddy? Big guest today, big guest. Yeah, big guest. One of our... uh... Are both you and I's biggest influences and yes, sir. Practically family, I think. That would be fair to <laughs> yep. say. As dysfunctional as it may be. Fair to say. <laughs> uh, this week's guest is Tim Tackett. I don't think he really needs any introduction, but the purpose of the show is Tim's got a new book out. Which, um, it's been out for fun. about a month now. I've just got through it ahead of this show. It's called Essential Jeet Kune Do. Tim's here to talk about that book and get an update. We haven't had him on for a show for about a year, year and a half, maybe. Yeah, welcome to the show, Tim. All right. Good to talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a cough. That's so funny. Yeah, Tim, I have my morning cough, you know. How is uh, retirement serving you? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I've, uh, you know, I've got uh, a lot of cool stuff to watch on TV. i got all this stuff, you know. I've got an Apple TV and i got my Roku and everything you can possibly think of and a big screen TV. So right. I'm in hog heaven. Watch a lot of... Uh, I've become a fan of Nordic Noir. I watch a lot of uh, shows from MHZ. I get stuff from, uh, you know, uh, Sweden and Norway, detective shows, really well done stuff in France. And we're watching Spiral right now, which is really good. That's from France. Are you still checking in on Jeremy's classes? Yeah, yeah. I stuck my head out uh, a couple of times a night, see who's there, see if there's anybody I want to talk to, and then close the door. <laughs> so, <laughs> nope, there's nobody there. Let me go back. Yeah. No, no, that, it depends. It depends on who's. I look to see if there's anybody there who wants to hang out after class for the uh, the beer session. The first time I was out at the garage, I was fortunate enough to, to teach and, and train for a couple hours. And then I think it was like nine o'clock. And then Tim goes, All right, everybody out who's not staying, the garage goes, come down, and the beer comes out. And, and then, and that's right. And, and it was, it's not like anyone getting drunk, but it, that is invaluable to me and a great gift that you gave me just sitting there and bullshitting with guys and telling stories god how much is that worth you can't get that from a book or a youtube video it's just free-flowing and what a great gift so i'm glad to hear that you're keeping that tradition alive oh yeah oh yeah when i was there all i did was listen and there was guys uh people like art comancho came in we get some guest people every now and then show up how long has the garage been going on for? When did that start? What year? It basically started when uh, I got permission to teach uh, JKD to a small group. I think I was ready in like the uh, Odd Fellows Hall in Redlands uh, every Wednesday night. Uh, you know, I, and then we would go over. We would do the same thing, but we got my friends were playing a band just down the street there. So we would go after class. We'd go over and listen to my friends in the band. And they played out. They, they were on Wednesday night. So that's basically when I had my class. So we could get together afterwards at a place called the Tartan. But I closed that down because that was kind of a public thing. People could walk in and out. Probably about 1974, see, I got my certificate, I think, about 73 and JKD, my senior first. And I think about 73, 74. Even when I was teaching Kung Fu, we always had Wednesday night get-together. But the garage thing, then I went to my garage uh, after that. So probably 1973 or four. Uh, and it just became more organic. Like you didn't really advertise it or anything, right? It just kind of happened. It was very organic. It just kind of happened. Yeah, it happened. No one never advertised anything. 
but I started teaching because nobody knew what Guo Shu was or Kung Fu. I had from Taiwan. It was a school of Chinese karate. So I got back, I guess, in uh, 1964, the end of 64. First thing I went to Pomona or Pasadena to visit Parker School, and they had me show everything. And afterwards, two guys uh, asked me to go out for dinner, and that was Danny Niasano and uh, Pete Golden, a guy named Jim Grimmel, so there was three of them. And so we went out and we started talking there. And I knew Dan, uh, that was just Dan to me then. And then I'd see him uh, and I'd bring my students for sparring tournaments, you know, the old sparring and tournament days. You know? right. So I did that until uh, until after I could get out of college and then I could start, I start cheating high school. And then I had time to go take a martial arts. I, I was going to take Tai Chi. I went with my first student, Bob Bremer, to take Tai Chi. This was uh, 1977, 71, I think. The guy had me show him my Tai Chi, and I did. He said he'd take me as a student. I walked out, and this, this Chinese guy followed us. and said, hey, you're not going to learn anything from this guy because you're, <laughs> you know, you're a threat. So, you're you know, you know uh, have you ever heard of Jeet Kune Do? And I said, yeah, I read a couple articles, you know, and I saw Bruce in 69. I, I said hi to him at a, at a karate tournament, Kubota's karate tournament. I had one of my students fighting him. And he said, well, you know, Danny, Dan, your son, you know him. I said, yeah, I know Dan real well. I said, well, he's got a thing, you know, in his backyard, and uh, here's, uh, here's his number. And I think he wanted me to share some Shingy with him. I think that was part of the kind of the deal. I did that with Dan Lee. So I called in Yusano and I said, hey, Dan, this is Tim. He's, oh, Timmy, how you doing? And he said, well, come on down, you know, bring some boxing gloves Tuesday night. And I said, I want to bring my students up. Yeah, sure, no problem. I went down there and there was like, you know, seven guys. And that's the same group, you know, the same senior group. Uh, everybody was basically there. Ted Wong was taking private lessons. That's the first time I met Bob Bremer and everybody. And uh, it I just was at it forever. You know, I just stayed with it. You've never yeah. charged at the garage. Really? No, no. It's, it's kind of like a donation, right? Yeah, it's a donation. Most people don't do it, but it's a donation. <laughs> but the, here's but the thing. Was... Here's the thing, you know. Yeah. I would, this garage would be full if I charged $50 a lesson. Absolutely. You, you know? don't value it. Right. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I guess got to really be worth something, you know. Right. If you don't charge anything, then it's not worth anything. So like that's why we have just a, just a small group, you know. It's real weird. <laughs> I remember. It, I don't know if you remember this story, Tim. So I come out there and I I did a session at the garage. Quite a few people there. And you know, outside on the, on the driveway and in the garage, I'm doing. All, I think part of it's on YouTube. Tim makes a remark. He goes, "Don't forget to make your donation to help you know pay for Jim's." trip out here right and then tim gets the can he shakes a couple of coins and here mccann here's 76 cents <laughs> <laughs> i did that i did that boy what an asshole no i'm just, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding but it's true because like gee i mean i think god damn if i lived in southern california i would be there non-stop learning and training how would i not want to be there that they don't see that bridge. So anyway, I just thought that was a, a funny. Yeah, story. well, the guys you the guys you know about, you know, like uh, Jeremy and Dennis, they've been there for that that uh, forever. You know, a couple other guys, I, you know. Right, yeah, right. You have lifers, and then you have guys who float in and out and disappear. Oh yeah, they disappear for years and then come back in. You know. Right, right. So, the reason you're 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 come back on the show is because you have written, as Tom said in the intro, a new book, Essential Chikundo. Overall, how many books have you written? Do you? This is the twelfth one. If you count the uh, revised versions of uh, Chris Kent's and my two books, all new photos and stuff, it has that. That's like a second edition. Well, I count that as a totally different book because they're all new photos and stuff in it. 
right. And by the way, the old ones, not to get are worth a shitload of money on like eBay. Yeah, they are. They are. Now, the other ones went out of print right away, you know, and I right. think the, the one that's really hard to find is the second edition of the textbook. That's Which almost I impossible have. to find. I've got yeah, the keep it. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of the, the second edition kickboxing books. Here, interesting thing, man. You know, I wrote my book. There's already two two of them on on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> they read them and want to get rid. Well, I don't. I don't get that. So after all these books and all the books, and, and Tom, you might want to go off this. There's so many books on JKD. You thought there was more to cover in this book. Obviously, you thought there was some other message that you needed to get out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think it was? I'll give you a little bit of a test. Uh, kind of we'll do a Socratic method here. What do you think I was trying to get out? Well, I think uh, you're trying to get to, you want me to answer it, Tom? You want to try? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Any one of you. How Tom, about the kid, Tom? I think it's about the essence. I mean, that, that was what you talked to us in the past. So, you know, what are the key bits of JKD you can apply universally to fighting, you know, regardless of what background you've come from? Yeah, that's basically yeah. But there's so much that you can do. Uh, that people teach that I wanted to kind of show this is all the basic stuff of, of JKD, but this is what we focus on. Now, what we focus on what's what I feel is the best. What Bob, I brought him as if it was from Bob Berman, what he felt was, was the most efficient. But somebody else may think it's something different. Somebody else may focus a little bit more on doing a lot more footwork or whatever than, than we do in the garage. So it, it, it depends on, on the individual instructor. Uh, and I put stuff in there. I teach stuff that I wouldn't necessarily use a lot, but I try to simplify it. So we decide, how, well, can we look at trapping. What's the most essential thing about trapping? What's the important thing? And then focus on that and, and learn how to get rid of a lot of stuff. Learn how to get rid of uh, – you've got the basic trapping patterns and stuff that people learn. Now, how much of that do you really need? How much of that are you going to use? You know, And that's what the book's about. So we have to spend a ton of time on a few things. So it's, it's about a choosing. What's really crucial is choosing the correct things that you think is the correct thing that's going to get you to survive in the, in the street, basically, you know, in the stand-up situation. Then you've got the other thing. You've got the gun situation and the sticks and the knives and all that stuff. But just purely for empty hand, uh, what, what, do you, what do you do? And then we also do the other stuff. But that's the books about Jake, Jeet Kune Do and not Kali and not a scream and stuff. But we do the same thing as simple simplifying. Yeah. Uh, making it simple. You talk in the book, Tim, about how your instructor will lean towards teaching the stuff that he's best at and the stuff that works for him. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, do you want to talk about how this book helps you identify what might be best for you rather than what's best for them? Well, look look at what are you trying to do? What is your body type? You'll feel something that is, yeah, that's good. That feels good to me. And then you'll feel something that says, Christ, I could never do that. But then at the same time, you'll, you may find that if you actually, in class, take some time to really work stuff, all of a sudden it'll click and it'll feel good. But you can't do that for it. You can't be practicing something that you're never going to use and it's not going to work, you know, and then you just have to, uh, you have to decide. You have to be more like the uh, sculpture instead of the painter. Instead of keep adding this constant adding and adding and adding and adding. Now, Bremer would look at some of the stuff I was teaching from other arts and he'd just say, says, I want to say something, and a Burt Poe was there. Uh, and then Sonny was showing up and he would say, well, you know, I want to say something, but you get move right on, you know, and I, I don't have a chance. I said, well, just stop, just blurt it out. And so I'd show somebody, he'd go, are you shitting me? <laughs> what, the, what the hell are you doing that for? Then what we did, we started going, okay, here's something I'm learning. Now let's break it down. What's good about it? What, what's open? 
And then uh, Bert would go in there, well, he's leaving his head open for you to break his neck or something. You know, so you're constantly looking at when you're doing something, what can that person be doing to you? Okay, that's one of the crucial things that both Bert and Bremer stuck on it. Why are you doing that? Because, look, this is what can happen to you. This is what's happened to you. So you need to, you need to avoid those kinds of things. You know, there's no point in, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, I can, uh, you know, you can gouge my eye. I can gouge you. Well, Bert would, you know, stick his thumb all the way through your eye practically. You know, so it's a, it's a little right. different story. Jim had, the, had his, uh, his thumbnail kind of sharp as he would just go right through your cornea and rip it out. So, you know, there's different kinds of approaches to things, you know, and Bert had his kind of approach, you know, just break something, you know. <laughs> so it was a different it was a different way of looking at things. It was saying, well, gee, you know, why am I leaving this thing open? This guy can really do something to me. That's the difference between the ring and the street, you know, because you have to know the rules. In the street, there are no rules. So what the heck are you doing? You know, uh, you've got to keep the, learn how to keep a distance. You've got to learn how to, how to keep a distance from, from, from somebody. So he has to move towards you so you can intercept his attack or you can get the hell out of there. It's just a matter of being aware of your environment and doing tools that you could actually use. You've got to have knockout power. That's the essential thing is you've got to be able to, Bremer said, like having sledgehammers in both hands. Uh, you have to come up with that, you know, and it, it's not that easy. You've got to really work and work and work and work. And I'm kind of proud. A lot of the, a lot of the instructors can actually do this stuff. You know, if you, you see a lot of guys, we go to the, the, uh, some of the old Bruce Lee Foundation's things. A lot of the people who are teaching for, you know, under somebody else, you go and go, God, hey, you know, and Bremer and I go, you know, it'd be 50 people in a room. There was 200 people there. There'd be four rooms. We'd go around and go, how many people are in this room are actually JKD people, do yours. They could actually do it. And there might be three or four, you know. Actually, Bremer spotted Dave Carnell. He said, this guy is really good. And I said, yeah, he, he is good. You know, so, so he could spot, Bremer could spot it right away. He was a funny guy. If he thought somebody like that, you know, we're in the thing. And we're doing my, our session, you know. It would be a thing where I look around, where the hell's Bremer? We, I show, we show what to do. All of a sudden, where the hell's Bremer? Look around, he's over in a corner with like Dave Carnell showing him stuff. So that's the kind of stuff Bremer would do. So I remember when Jim Sewell walked up to somebody who was an instructor under somebody. And he'd say, let me show you, uh, you're doing this a little bit. The guy said, yeah, I'm an instructor under blah, blah, blah. I don't need your help. And Jim said, okay, no problem. He walked off, you know. <laughs> and Jim had been in, that, in, in there uh, at the Chinatown school a year longer than, the, than this guy's instructor was. Yeah. It just Jim just didn't, uh, he wasn't a teacher. He didn't want to go. He, just kind of, he would tell you stuff every now and then, you know. Sure. He was just kind of a bad dude, actually. One of the stories I thought you were going to tell there, which you've shared in the past with me. I don't know where you were. You were somewhere with Bob watching somebody do some kind of martial art demonstration. And I believe, Tim, you had went to Bob and go, Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were watching some. We were watching a martial art they had on video, a two hour thing of this guy demonstrating all this stuff. And Bob just sat there really, really quiet. And when we were done, and I had been working with someone in this martial art, he would say, Bob, what do you think? And he said, never in my entire life have I seen so much stuff I didn't want to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is such a brilliant, brilliant story. That's so true. <laughs> so I guess, he, uh, I guess you didn't continue studying that martial art. I just picked up a couple of things that, you know, might be useful. That's about it, you know. All right. <laughs> and going back to it real quick, because I didn't get to answer because Tom took over like this star pupil. A reason I thought perhaps the book came out is that, as I read the book is that Bruce Lee taught different things to different people at different times for a whole variety of reasons. It is impossible right. to have the totality of everything in one person, in one instructor. 
And exactly. I, I thought you talk about the errors in ERA, not errors, um, the errors of, you know. Errors, yeah, ERA. Errors, yeah. yeah, yeah. From Seattle to Oakland to L.A. It changed dramatically through the years as Bruce uh, obviously aged. And you pointed out in the book in the beginning, you know, Bruce, when he first came over, what was he, 18 years old? You know, yeah, and, yeah. And was primarily, you know, a, a kung fu guy, a Wing Chun guy, I guess, you know. And uh, it obviously changes. He was exposed to new things. And did different things. It changed. You know, when Tim, if, I'm sure you do recall when we were at the JKD, was it the foundation in Seattle 35 years after yeah. Bruce? Oh, I remember that definitely. <laughs> you guys were, you and, you and I think, who were you sparring with, messing Vince, around with? Vince Ramondi. Uh, Vince Ramondi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we were there, uh, and, um, you know, you see everybody from Tacky all the way up to LA, and I believe you were kind of last. And you could see the different changes in approaches. Jesse Glover, I believe, was there actually as well. So it was yeah. dramatically different through the years of who had what time with Bruce and at what time. So it's interesting. How do you encapsulate that into one thing? So my take on your book was it was just an overall, these are essential. These are the things that we do that we feel are the foundation and the structure of it. And then you develop it into whatever direction uh, that you see fit. That That's how, kind of how I took it. But. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I didn't spend too much time showing how to do a technique. We got the Chinatown books. We got all those other books. People could, you know, sure. more, nothing more boring than writing. Well, you stand with your right foot forward and then you move your hand. And, you know, I just said, hell with that crap. Here it is. You know, you either know it or you don't. And, uh, you know, that's it. How long was this book in your brain <laughs> prior to doing it? Is this something that someone approached you on and said, hey, Tim, let's do this? Or, or was this something? No, I thought I said, what, what do you want to say? What do you want to, you know, kind of, my last book, what do you kind of want to go out on? What do you want to, what do you kind of legacy do you want to try to leave people? It's not like, I, this is what I do, this is what, I, what you guys already has to do, but here's what is taught, here's what we do. But there's some people who are even under us that focus a little bit more on footwork than they do maybe on something else, which is sure. perfectly all right. But that's up to the – you've got to give them the tools. And then you've got, you've got to give them most of all the brain to understand what am I doing, why am I doing it, what am I leaving open, take your closest shot, all those principles in there. I've got an article coming out in Black Belt at some point where it's just the principles. You know, they wanted me to – here's what they wanted me to do. The uh, editor of Black Belt calls, I want you to do an article on this, on the five JKD kicks that every martial artist should know. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, this, is, oh, this is part of the genesis of the book, actually. So I'm thinking, what the hell? First of all, what's a JKD kick? You know, uh, uh, is it a hook kick? Because we do a slightly different ways of doing stuff. The leg obstruction is kind of unique, but that's really out of, out of Wing Chun, if you go right back to it. But I just, Bruce was the only one who really picked up on that. So I said, I, I, I can't do that because it's ridiculous. How about if I give you, what if I do one on all the principles that we teach in Jakey that all martial artists should know? You know, all of those kinds of things. Take your closest shot. Uh, you know, what are you offering? All of those kind of principles. And so that's what, I think it's going to be a two-part article on the principles there. Asshole is calling me on the other phone. Let's see what's going on here. Uh, that's funny. That is so funny. anyway, where, where was I? Oh, so. So that was it, and this this is coming up. So I thought, well, you know, uh, this is what I've I've got to be focusing on. What are the principles? And that's what the book's about: the basic principles. So there's a lot about that stuff in there, but it's kind of subtle. I mean, a lot of people probably aren't going to pick up on all that. Oh, I, I thought I think the book's brilliant. Um, I think it's well laid out. You talked about which I thought was interesting. Obviously, what essential JKD is, but you know, you you, you briefly touched on the Wing Chun connection and the boxing connection, the fencing, kung fu 
connection, which I guess essentially is the big foundation of it. Uh, you want to touch on that a little bit on that? Just top line? Uh, yeah, the, the fencing aspect. No, the, the whole the Wing Chun, the boxing, fencing, kung fu connection. Well, gosh, the, the Wing Chun, you know, is, is, is basically the Wing Chun was it, that Bruce was working on a lot, you know, was the trapping and the, the chi sao and, and those energy drills and how to use it, how to make a connection. Uh, basically, how to how to connect to your opponent, you know, attach so that you could control and control the arms, control this, which is is valid. It's a valid kind of thing. Then later, I guess maybe working with different different guys and stuff, you know, like, like Kareem Jabbar, that was so big and everything. He started working on how to avoid the connection. Uh, you know, so he would he would have the stuff out of fencing where you would you start stuff, then you switch to another line and stuff, so that you wouldn't you wouldn't have that connection to to uh, for trapping and stuff. So that that was kind of it. But then when I started looking at trapping, we started looking on trapping. We started taking some of the ideas of, uh, of fencing and putting it into trapping, like the beat, you know, using the beat, wow. uh, stuff like that. So even, even some of the fencing stuff sort of made the trapping a little bit more efficient. So when, when we, we started doing that, I gave some of the basic energy drills and stuff. And I don't know, it's hard to talk about this stuff, but, you know, it's just the idea is that the Wing Chun became less and less focused on, okay? But at the same time, we had worked on it so much that it was in us, you know what I mean? That was maybe starting right now and doing the uh, basic class, and then you have, you know, your 10 minutes of trapping, your five minutes of trapping, whatever it is, and you're going to do this, and you're going to kick that, then you're going to do this. I couldn't have done how to make trapping more efficient, easier to use, if I hadn't really, really understood it. Does that make sense? It does. So I had to go through all of this stuff, but I think you still need to have to go through a lot of that to get to, to get to an understanding of why you're doing this, what are you doing, and what's going on, you know? And then you find out that trapping, if you understand the basic principle of trapping, that really opens up a lot of stuff on ground fighting. So it's important. All that stuff's important. Uh, the fencing was probably what we focus a lot on because that's the intercepting idea, uh, not the block and hit from karate or the simultaneous block and hit from Wing Chun, but the hit first, you know. And if you really work on that and control distance, you know that, Jim. I mean, once you started really working on controlling distance and be able to just whack a guy when he moved, it's a, bit, it's a whole new ball game. But you have to be able to control that distance. So you have to have the footwork. Whether it's sport or street, controlling that distance uh, is so essential to your success, and which is often overlooked. And being introduced to this and how to do it and manipulate it, it, it well, changes. Well, you can control distance. You can control. You can control time. If the guy's further away, if he has to step towards you, that's a time element, and that gives your your brain a, a chance to recognize the attack coming and then to counter it. But if the guy's too close to you. If he's too far away from you and he just charges like a mad bear, you got to either you're not going to sit there and leg obstruct him. You got to get use your footwork to get out of the way. So it's it's all about distance and timing. If if Jake needs anything, it's about controlling distance and controlling time, and then being able to knock somebody out. And so that's what you focus on. So we spend like that old lady. We spend eighty percent of our time working on just basic basic stuff. You know. I read that in the book. I'm sorry, Tim. About the eighty. Yeah, go ahead. Eighty percent of the time focusing on. The basics. Yeah. The simple things, right? The simple principles and structures. And I, and I, I apologize for interrupting. That's where you're going. With no, no, yeah. No, I like, I like the insights of my students are more important, you know, if you understand, you know, I enjoy <laughs> listening to them explain it, frankly. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, look at boxing. Look at Thai boxing. I mean, you know, they're not doing 50 million things, okay? So no. they're very, very, very good at what they're, they're doing, you know. 
they're experts at it. I mean, look at the boxing. And Bruce saw that right away. You know, he became a big, huge boxing fan. And, uh, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard recognized Bruce as a, as a you know, that he had that, that thing. I mean, Sugar Ray was smart enough with no ego to say, yeah, this guy really had it. I think somebody put a thing on my Facebook page, uh, on my timeline, uh, a kind of a, Melvin Wells put it up there, and I think I stuck it up there, about, yeah, here it is on here. It's a thing on what they say about Bruce Lee, and it has uh, Sugar Ray uh, Leonard's in there, too, and Inusano, and some, some of my old friends are in there. Taki's not interviewed, but he's, he's doing that sparring with Bruce at the internationals. So it's kind of interesting looking at what these guys say, but Sugar Ray Leonard was really, really interesting uh, about how, how he respected uh, at the fact that Bruce was a great martial artist, you know, and then the guys all say good stuff about it. The guys from Men of the Dragon that I do from Men of the Dragon a lot. Of, so it's kind of interesting to look at. It's not my timeline, but he wants to check it out. What's your take on UFC and the other thing claiming that Bruce Lee was the first mixed martial artist <laughs> and invented the UFC? <laughs> I don't even work on that. So he, he shows, well, you know, I know he worked on a lot of, uh, grappling on his own stuff, you know, with Gina Bell share stuff with him, uh, some other judo guys, Hayward Nishioka and people like that. But when we were starting in the backyard, Bruce was still alive. We would do some blocks off trapping. We would do some basic throws, basic trips, uh, single leg takedown, double leg takedown, some basic judo throws. We didn't stress it too much, but it wasn't like a lot. You know, it wasn't like a lot, a lot of uh, what was called, became called JKD grappling. You know, it wasn't there. Bruce might have been working on it, but that was not what. And I think because he he does it in uh, the movie, okay, and then he did it in Game of Death with Jabbar to get him on the ground and stuff. So he, the point he was trying to make is that you have sometimes you have to do it, sometimes you don't. You know, it just depends. But you got to have it, some of it in your toolbox, I think. Right to make that happen. Yeah. Now throughout the years, you've had you know quite uh, you had the few guys that go, I wanna, that have really influenced you and your take on it. Bob, obviously, being one of the most important men in your life, and how you looked at Jake Kitty, correct? Yeah, yeah, and Inusano too. Inusano was. Oh, oh yeah, you know, I'm not just when he was teaching just JKD, you know, and focusing on that. It was really pretty cool, you know. We waited two hours of JKD, and then a half hour of what he called a screamer. Yeah. Typical Bremer story about about a screamer stuff, you know. He would do the scream. We would do it after. We kind of liked that he would do the screamer. He stopped, uh, you know, after Bruce left for Hong Kong, he spent a lot of time over at Pete Jacobs. And Pete was pretty good at the screamer, but he, would, he was kind of JKD icing it, Bremer was. But I remember we were doing it in the uh, class, the screamer class, and uh, there's a 12 in the Serrata method, which is you have this high stick and the stick, and you're coming down onto the, onto the both, one on one shoulder and the knife on the other shoulder coming down on a guy, okay, if you know what that, that kind of looks like. So Bremer asked Sifu, he wouldn't call him Guru Danny. He was Sifu. What, what is that for? He said, well, it's to go uh, uh, over the Japanese, through the, uh, the uh, Spanish armor. And Bremer said, oh, okay. That was his last Eskrima lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Official one, because he just wasn't going to do anything that didn't work. He told me, oh, I can't spend my time trying to get, a, you know, working on something that I'm not going to use. It just, it, I've got to work on what I'm going to use. And that was one of the things that really stuck with me, you know. You know, how much time of the day or the week do we have to train? What are we going to train? And uh, we have to use our, our strengths and weaknesses. Why are you wasting your time on other things that are relatively insignificant outside of pleasure because you want to do, you know, Irish shillelagh fighting or something like that? Yeah, there's yeah, there's some kind of thing you want. You want to get it for kind of the art aspect of it. Uh, right. Bob Berman was never interested in that. 
I am. I've always been kind of interested in looking at that other stuff and see how they do, you know, Zulu stick fighting and stuff. It's cool. What sure, can I pick up from that? Cool. Bremer could have cared less about anything he didn't look at and say, yeah, that's, that's cool. He actually did say when he came up, he said, well, you know, you've tripled your usable knowledge. That's what he told us. Just from doing some of the other stuff we were doing, some of the grappling stuff, some of the other stuff. He said, you've tripled your, he called it usable knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's a good term, usable knowledge. I, I should have put that in a book, you know. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah. I know a lot of shit that's useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. What do I do with so that? That, that was something really stuck. I should have put that in the book, but I didn't. But usable knowledge, that was what Bremer was about, usable knowledge. Now, there's, see, there's a thing. There's usable knowledge for the ring, which is important. You're in the ring. You've got to know this stuff. You've got to know, okay, I'm going to be fighting this guy. This is the kind of fighter he is. So I know he's a runner. He's a blocker. He's all of that kind of stuff. So I can analyze it. I know I gotta, there's the rules. I've got to be able to do this. I can't do that. So, but that's per, you have to focus on that kind of thing. In the ring, you don't, or in the street, you have no bloody idea what a guy's going to do. That's why I think that attacking, you know, if, you have, if you can avoid attacking, you're much, much better off in a situation. Now, sometimes you can't. You have to learn to attack. But it's better off to have this guy do the first move. And first of all, legally, it's a hell of a lot better. And then you have time to just come out. You know, that's the main thing. And are you still on? I'm okay. yeah, no, there was a glitch in in the matrix there. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but must we be coming are, from England or somewhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I often have worse service than Tom. We'll have uh, one guy, Doc Watson, in Japan, and Tom in London, and me here in Jersey, and I'm the one with the bad service. Yeah, for Tom, I know. <laughs> for the Philippines, for, for some freaking reason. So this book, how long did this book take you to write, Tim? Not that long. Um, you know, I went through it. It's uh, I, I didn't have an editor. Usually, uh, when I did this, in fact, uh, I've got to take a section out of my first Chinatown book and copy it and stick it on my on my website page and my timeline because there's a massive mistake in there in that first volume. And it, when you're doing the JKD sliding leverage blast, the, the editor put down uh, the wrong thing. The guy who's attacking is actually defending. So I you know, they come out and confuse the hell out of people. But so. I didn't have an editor. They sent me a, a kind of a, here's what the book's going to look like, okay? And I started looking at it. So there's, I said, there's some typos in there that I just didn't get. So I, I corrected them. At that time, Amazon had already thrown it out there. So I went through, corrected a few things, and then we sent it back to Amazon. But somebody ordered the books when it first came out. There's some typos and stuff in there. But Amazon is an interesting cat. You know, they get about like 64% of everything. You have to use their really? It's a bizarre kind of group. I didn't actually. realize. So if you if you write this book and if I bought this book off of Amazon, they would get sixty cents out of that dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, but it's interesting. You know, I, I've done through all these publishers, stuff, but Jose Fraguas, he's an old friend of mine. My first guy went over to Spain to have me over to Spain. So I wrote this book. We don't. I don't even have. I didn't even sign a contract. We have. There's no contract. You know. So whatever it is, it is. But he'll he'll do the normal whatever ten percent whatever the hell you get. You know. But basically, if it's on Amazon, it's like 10% of nothing. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But, you know, 95% of people, so it's also so much easier to order it off Amazon. Steve Cervelli, yeah, did he get you a book? He said he was going to get you a book. Did Steve get you one? Oh, yes. Cervelli is a real good buddy of mine and, and a full instructor under you. <laughs> a quick side note on Steve. Steve started studying with me in like 1995 or 96, before I, I knew you, Tim. So we started doing whatever our JKD. Finally, I think it was that maybe last year, uh, Tom, I don't know if you know this story. Steve goes, hey, Jimmy, 
calls me Jimmy. I go, what's the matter, Steve? He goes, you know, I've never gotten my full instructorship in JKD. I said, get the fuck, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. I go, say, swear. I said, you mean to tell me you've been, what, what 24 years and you've got zero rank, you know? And so, <laughs> talk about a guy with patience. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So then I called Tim up and I said, Tim, do you realize that we have never <laughs> given Steve rank? And he goes, you're kidding me, because you thought so too, right? I mean, it was just... Yeah, I don't pay much attention to it. I got a yeah. list, that's about it. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then I said, oh, shit. So then, then uh, of course, you were gracious enough to sign it and make it happen. But my God, that was a long time. That's a funny story. Yeah, yeah, yeah but so, Steve's a great guy. He's a, great guy. He's a super guy. Yeah. So yeah, back yeah. to the book. Yeah, so Steve... Uh, we were talking about it, 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 it. The book was just coming out, and then Steve had ordered it. I don't know where he ordered it. So I don't know if you made only 40 cents on this copy <laughs> or if you made 80 cents. I don't know. But he got me the book, and I did read it. It's a great book. I, I really enjoy it. I'm gonna, you know, The nice thing about the books, too, not only this, but your other books, very easy reads, easy to understand and to digest the material. That's it, because you got to translate a lot of information on paper, which is not an easy thing to do in martial arts. It's much more, yeah, it yeah, takes it's, a while, you know. It's, it's so uh, damn boring when you when you really kind of know it. It's God, why am I doing this? But luckily, Christ, now you know with a computer and, and you know, the first book I wrote uh, way back in like '74, uh, the Singe book. You didn't have any of that stuff, you know. You had to do it on a typewriter and you know send it in. It was just uh, going to college back in the '60s and going to college now. These these little snowflakes bitching about everything. <laughs> You had to go to a library, use those card catalogs and write everything down. And there was no right. cut and paste. So, you know, oh. it's so much easier now than it used to be. And, they, you know, these guys bitch and moan about shit, you know. That gives them time then to just bitch about something that's not important, you know. It's ah. crazy. Is this, you think, the last book? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have anything else to say, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how that, those principal things come out, you know. If when Black Belt does it, if we look at it, I go, you know, maybe a short book giving examples of these principles might be a pretty good idea. I don't know, you know. That's a possibility. But, you know, that just depends, you know, on, on uh, how I think it looks and if it makes sense when, they, it, magazine, when the magazines come out, you know, see how that goes. We put out a whole ship full of principles, that's for sure. <laughs> I can't even think of them right now because I'm getting old. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff here. It was fun doing. I enjoyed it, sort of. You know, then it's kind of, you get these people, uh, these couple of guys that you probably know about that have been around for years, you know, uh, semi, you know, the uh, the people that have the, you know, different forums. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, they, they said, what could possibly be in this book that's not already been written? What do you think? Why is it costing $45? Well, the reason is uh, it's, you know, 429 pages and uh, Amazon takes so much of it that the public's the only way I could make anything at all out of this, to, you know, have a price a little bit, you know, a little bit more than other ones. But, you know, what the hell, you can't afford $45. But they're, they're going on and on about whether it'd be worth $45 or not. You know, I go, where, where was this? On one of the forums, you know, one of the lines, you know, people talking about this book's come out. How quick could possibly be in there that'd be worth anything, you know, that we don't already know, you know, that kind of bullshit. I do find that interesting that they piss off. Well, on any form and whatever their opinion is on whatever, there's a, a lot of useless information there with these guys. And why do they give a fuck that much that they'd even want to spend the time and the effort to sit down, type out an opinion online about anything? I, I'm not sure I fully understand that. 
Maybe you should spend your time training. But I'd look, I've got, I bet you, 50 JKD books, and I find it something to learn and everything. Of course, of course you do. Right, so that's Yeah, in fact, uh, my friend Joaquin Marcelo's uh, Jikundo, but very hard to find. Uh, uh, I don't know, you know, but the one on, he does a lot of Ted Wong stuff in the book called Jikundo, Joaquin Marcelo. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. You know, so you got to figure that out, you know, and any, any, any time Chris Kent has a book, you can go, wow, because he was a pleasure to write a book with because, uh, you know, he would each come up with about stuff and come up with almost the same thing. You know, he, he had a, he has a good analytical mind. So he there's really a lot does. of good stuff out there. Oh yeah. He's excellent. You know? He's excellent. So what's next? You're just going to sit back, retire, enjoy the grandchildren and the nice yeah, weather. Yeah. I've just, I got one getting married uh, in November, you know, in Redlands. So one in North Carolina, one of them, the oldest one got married. He said, He's at Disneyland, working at Disney. He was Spider-Man for a while. Oh, no they, kidding. That's neat. Gosh, they sent him to Hong Kong. They sent him to a different one to Shanghai, to Singapore. Wow. For different shows and stuff there, and to Beijing at different times there. And now he's like a supervising of the supervisors of the performers. There's 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 the characters like Donald Duck and his performers, like super, uh, you know, all these different characters from Star Wars and shit that right. they have now. And they have supervisors of them, and now he's a supervising the supervisor. So he's really moving along. He's only been there like three or four years. He's oh, moving along great. really good at Disneyland. And he's, you know, he, was the, he went to North Carolina. He's living out there, but now he's out here, so we get to see him regularly, you know, which is yeah, good. Yeah. No, that is great. No seminars, I know, because you're officially retired. So the bottom line is, how much is it going to cost me to get you to come out to bribe? <laughs> well, the thing, the thing is, seminar. you know, we're we're all yeah. getting kind of up there in years, you know. I, and, look, uh, I am not getting up. The wife, the wife just kind of just doesn't want me to not be around for her, you know. She's yeah, she's getting up there too. So we're at that age that. Uh, safer to stay home you know and be closer to whatever could happen you know yeah she had a fall a while back and uh and she's okay but still you know uh, you just just don't want to be leaving her so uh, you know and same with me too and i'm getting up there too so should i'll be 78 uh in february so you know so it's 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 up there. We're up there. So you got to kind of worry about that. Getting on a goddamn plane and flying somewhere oh, isn't the most appealing thing in the world right now. Hey, look, I used to do a lot of seminars, as fun as it was or is, to go all over and meet people. And when you're there, it's great, and you have a great time there. And then it's right that in between can be uh, a real pain in the ass. And <laughs> well, here's the here's the deal. You know that for some people, uh, you know, who teach martial arts for a living, that becomes uh, you know a big part of their income. Having going over sure. there and doing seminars and shit, you know, different all around the world and stuff. Which, nothing wrong with that. That's important. But I was a school teacher. So I was doing my seminars in the summer just to make extra money. But mainly it was to spread the word. It was to get out. I thought, you know, I wanted people to really know Jeet Kune Do and know it well. So that wasn't really what I was about. I wasn't about the money aspect because, frankly, I didn't need the money. I had a pretty good salary from teaching. And then my retirement is excellent. My house is paid for. My cars are paid for. My health care is by the school. It pays for my wife's and my health care forever. So I, I'm financially, I never needed to do martial arts right. for a living. And that was a blessing because I didn't have to put up with any bullshit. I didn't have to take oh. students I didn't want. I didn't have to go over to Europe and have a bunch of dorks coming around. I didn't want it. wasn't interested. <laughs> I went to people I, I liked and I enjoyed being with. If right. I didn't enjoy being why the hell would I go do it? And so that became my thing. And then finally, I reached a point where, okay, 
You're a fool instructor. Dennis is a fool instructor. Vince is. Uh, Brent, everybody can, can do this stuff. They don't need me. I'm here. If they, if they need anything, well, they can call me and then we can do something, you know. They can come over here with whatever. But I have to go get on a plane and go through it because I trust the guys who are fool instructors that that's what they can do and they can teach it and they can spread it. They don't need to have this organizational stuff, you know, where you have all these things. Just you, you, You've got you guys. You do what you want to do. You go do seminars where you want to do it. And that's how it should be like it was before they started all this organizational stuff. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm stressing right now. You know, you can get together and have a yearly seminar with a bunch of instructors. That's what I'm talking about. This, this, you know, this kind of everybody has got this, this thing that you've got to learn this, you've got to learn that. You know, it's just up to you to get your guys, okay? It's not up to somebody to, you know, get this is what you have to teach, this is what you have to do. You know what I mean? That's, it's, it's just so, so up against Bruce, you know? Uh, he was against all that. Bremer, Bremer was definitely against all that. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I think it becomes very difficult when you try to structure it in such a fashion. Well, you try to structure, you try to make a business out of it, you know, and it's not a businessy thing. I agree. It's not. It, it takes that all. It makes it very difficult to manage. But as part of that organization or, or whatever it is, you are Elvis when it comes to JKD in the Wednesday night group. So, Anyone else who's not up there teaching, whether it's Dennis or Jeremy or myself or Tom or whoever it might be or Dieter, all great guys. The reality is we're less than Elvis. We're Elvis impersonators. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing is that, you know, you guys can do it. And so that's what that's what's important about it. This organizational thing just has never been my my deal. You know, it's just just uh, here's what it is and go ahead and teach it, you know, and uh, if you need to have me look at something sometime, I'll be fine to do it, you know, but I'm not going to get on a plane and go there. So you know, that's about ah, it. So what you know, you so I, it, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book too. It's, it's for instructors. It's for the instructors. It's for people who know, to know the JKD. I think if you just didn't know anything about martial arts, if you didn't know anything about JKD at all, that book is going to go, what? It was like reading Chinese or something. Wouldn't make much sense because uh, you have to have a prior knowledge about it. I wrote it for people with a prior knowledge, and that's why I didn't care if it sold a million copies or not. If it's going to help the instructors kind of organize their material, and that's what it's for. That's what the Chinatown books were for too. This is this is where where it is, you know. So, so with all the books with Chris Kent's and my books, the two Chinatown books, and you know what uh, the heck. And this one, you don't really. I don't think you need anything else. Last week I was training a couple guys. I opened up. The Chinatown book. I think I got through like, and there's so much there. And it's simple as I think I went through like one scenario and the different permutations. Yeah, yeah. Of, and it was it. That was an hour and a half of training, of hardcore yeah, yeah. training, uh, looking at this picture, go, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> and then that was it. Th that's all I did. There, there is a lifetime of information in all those books, more than you yeah. could ever possibly do. You know, well, you can you can take this book as how to organize all that information. <laughs> so what that's, that's they, what the point that's what the point of it is. I think that I don't know if you guys got that or not. But that's the point is how to how do you organize that. So what do you think your legacy would be involving Jay Kitty? Do you ever think about that? Has it ever crossed your mind? Has anyone ever had that brought that topic up for you? Because you your legacy in JKD in this. Oh, I never really think about that. But you are a very important figure to me, anyway, and to obviously the rest of the group. You know, in this, it's it's huge. You've done a tremendous amount of uh, service for the art and have been a real driving force. Yeah, just it. just do me a favor, just share it with people. That's all. You know, That's teach it. it. Right. That's all I care about is you teach it and it continues. You know, and 
Remmer's influence and Inusanos is big time too. I can, you know, I can't of put that. Down. We, I, he learned a, I learned a hell of a lot from him. Bremer just was more of a more of a mental aspect to it. Things were about fourteen things I hadn't seen before. That was about it. He focused on, you know. My favorite, funniest darn thing was when when we first started teaching at the uh, Bruce Lee Foundation things. So Bremer would show the hammer principle and the leg obstruction. There was guys going on farms. Well, Bruce never did that. That's not JKD. I know that's something that Bremer thought up. And the the structure of the leg. I'm an I'm an engineer, and the leg obstruction structure is not not structurally sound. And blah 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 blah. And then uh, John Little came out with Bruce Lee's lesson plans that he had finally had that wasn't in the Dow. And one of the, when he comes to his private lesson plans, things in the first couple of lessons, it was a hammer principle and a leg ah, instruction. Yes. And everybody, everybody shut up after that, you know. So, right, right. But they thought, well, and so I said, Bremer, you know, if you, if, you, if you had invented this stuff, then you're a genius, man. So, right. you know, That's let them think you invented it. <laughs> but they dismissed you. it. They dismissed it right away because Bruce never did. Then we have a found a picture of Bruce doing the leg obstruction that put that online. So, you know, <laughs> Jesus, shut him right up. Awesome. Tim, thank yeah, you. Tom, yeah. you want to add anything, buddy, before we uh, say goodnight? I had a couple of things I wanted to ask. Well, you ask away, Tom, you ask away. I bet you answer one question for me. Okay. One question. You're British, right? You're English, right? That's right. Why the heck would you give your sovereignty up to a group of people in Brussels? <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, wondered about that. We're working on resolving I always wondered about why you would give your sovereignty away from, from unelected bureaucrats in another country. But, you know, that's another story. We're trying to fix that ASAP, Tim. Thank God. <laughs> Lots of luck, though, Tim. because come on, you know. Yeah. Give me a break. Okay. I was going to say, Tim, you seem quite sentimental recently in terms of, like, the posts that you're um, putting up, which are like... Yeah, yeah, I kind of put up stuff of old things. In fact, somebody put up a thing right now, and I'm looking right now, and there's Tom's ugly mug there. This is Scott yeah. Pratt, uh, but it shared a memory. You know, you and Brent and me and little little uh, Scott Pratt and Mario. Great Mar- Mario's a, one of the greatest guys ever, you know, super dude. And then Bill Singh put one on. Uh, so, you know, and then all of a sudden I had to get rid of it. Somebody put on a thing where there's two karate guys, karate guy talking about his lineage and stuff on and on about it. And I don't know what the hell that was all about. So I just kind of took it off my timeline. So sometimes weird, weird shit shows up on Yeah, here. definitely, definitely. Do you find yourself like looking back? Yeah, on I'm putting on old with... photographs and putting on some of the you know, covers of some of the books. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a sentimental thing. And yeah, you picked up on that. All right. Yeah, yeah and you've been all over have... the world. But it's nice, I, I, it's nice for me to see all these like memories sort of thing. Because, you know, I was involved in a lot of them and, Likewise, all the different characters. Like, what one thing I wanted to ask you about was some of the characters that joined the Wednesday Night Group and how they influenced it. So we've kind of touched on Bob and and Jim, but you know, Bert Poe and Sonny Bygum and um, Dennis Blue. You know, people with sort of like military background, tough guys, really influenced your group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they really did. A lot of these dudes, you know, were were kind of uh, well, they were fairly tough. <laughs> they were they were fairly tough. You know. Jim Sewell, it's kind of hard to tell, but look, he was like a biker dude, you know. He took uh, JKD to learn to survive in the bars, and Bremer took it for basically the same reason, surviving the bars and stuff. And Bremer didn't want his pictures out there because didn't want anybody to know it. Bert never wanted to be photographed, so you never know because somebody might be looking for you, you know. So uh-huh. it's like it's like this guy we was I was uh, influenced a little bit by. Uh, he was uh, a special. He actually was. Uh, he did like eight tours of, of duty in uh, in Vietnam, and he was a pretty well known mercenary dude after that and stuff. And uh, he was uh, teaching me a psycho shot 
gun thing, and they had a had kind of a thing up there in the mountains near where we live, a survival kind of a thing. So I'd go up there every now and then with Bert and hang out with these guys. And this guy uh, was so funny. He, he had a, he was in Soldier of Fortune magazine, you know, and uh, he had a, at that time he had a uh, bar in Guatemala City. Okay, you can figure that part out. So somebody asked him. Uh, he said, uh, "Aren't you afraid of somebody knowing uh, of your enemies? Somebody knowing uh, where you are and stuff?" And he said, "Nah." So why not? He said, "No, well, they're all dead." <laughs> <laughs> you kind of run around with some of these kind of guys, you know. That was not my, not the way I, well, I am, but you know, they were interesting. They were an interesting bunch of people. They actually were, you know. God, Bert had some stories and stuff, you know. Or well, I think a lot of people think of JKD is like, you know, for the smaller guys, because Bruce Lee was small. And there's some yeah. groups that I guess have produced a lot of these smaller, rapid, move like Bruce Lee kind of fighters. Whereas the Wednesday night group seems to have always attracted these big physical specimens, these military guys. Yeah, Why do yeah, you think yeah, that yeah. is? I don't know. I think maybe it was because we worked on, I don't know, uh, what do you think it is? Yeah, <laughs> turn it on you. I'm not too sure. I just they just show up, you know, <laughs> and they're pretty good guys. I don't know, but I do, I do tend do you to think, think of is? Wednesday. More realistic, looking for more realistic stuff. I don't know. I tend to think of Wednesday Night Group JKD is like the JKD for the bigger guy, the guy that's not trying to emulate Bruce Lee, but the guy that's trying to do what works for them. Yeah, we have some little guys that move out really, really pretty good. Uh, there's some like there's some young guys that that kind of do more of the more of the Bruce of the Ted Wong kind of JKD that we that we also teach, and they're making it work. But yeah, we do get some of these bigger dudes. That's that's true. If you look at I'm looking at the, this picture that Bill Sang put up right now. There's Quaklin, you know, and Quaklin is a tough guy. There's you know the guy from Belgium, Hans. You know, he's a soldier. And then I'm looking at the pictures here, and, and all I see is a part of, I think that's Dennis Blue hiding behind me, and I think that might be, I don't know who the hell that is there. But anyway, yeah, we have some big dudes, you know, like uh, our friend that always shows up to all our seminars, uh, your friend. Uh, Kevin Beal, no. Yeah, Kevin Beal, he's, he's, oh, he's, behind, he's behind Brent. Right, there. I right. can see half of his yes, face. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. But I'm looking at this group right now, and uh, yeah, there's some big dudes in there. Look at Brent, you know, God, yeah. It's, so you're you're right, you're right. There are some big guys, but there's some little guys too, you know, that move around really well. But you know, they're fighters. You've got teachers, and you've got fighters, and you've got teachers that can fight. These are teachers that can fight. They can do it, and I think that's the important thing. You know, look at, you know, we used to, remember we used to go to those seminars, Jim, and I don't, we, yeah. I don't know if you were at this one. We did one in L.A. or something. And some people, oh, no, I think it might have been the one in Seattle. Uh, you guys are punching the focus gloves. You know, uh, you know, Big Sean, everybody's focused the focus gloves. Some guy comes up, one of the assistant directors, you know, you guys don't have to punch that hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because all of a sudden, everybody's starting to look. And we had those ones that make the sound focus gloves. Yeah. All of a sudden, you can see everybody turning around and looking at us at you guys punching and stuff and uh i'm looking around everybody else and nobody else is punching like that you know oh, have you ever noticed that oh, and they'll go to those seminars and there's other, other groups there and where's the power you know tim it's weird you're a bunch of things right so you're like a, a high school teacher an actor writer i directed 70 plays i even did shakespeare you've been a football coach you're a family man you're a husband but yeah yeah a little bit uh, yeah unpaid football coach except for the little times i went with the 49ers and the and the cowboys they paid me better than that do you think martial arts is the thing that sort of will define you most and your legacy 
I don't know because you, you, all of a sudden you get a, somebody on, on my Facebook page, some girl posted that it wasn't for me in my drama class you'd have committed suicide. You know, I've had four or five girls tell me that. Your class is the only thing that got me through school, you know, being able to express myself, you know. So all of a sudden I look back at that and you go, Jesus, yeah, okay, that was pretty cool, you know, that you affected. I affected a lot of lives teaching. I really did. I didn't realize that until some of these, I run into some of these older students, you know, and say, you know, you were the one biggest influence on my life. You know, you really helped me to how, to how to express myself, how to get up in front of people, how to do things, you know, how to. I go, okay, that's cool, you know. That's kind of neat, actually. And I go, yeah, I've had at least five girls tell me that, that that's why they didn't kill themselves when they were in high school. I had a class, you know, we had a class in this little theater, uh, maybe held about, you know, 150 people. I had like, you know, maybe 16 in my advanced drama class. And the lights are out in there. And we're doing improvs and we're doing stuff. And then when the lights come on, there's 100 kids in there. They all ditched class to come in and sit, and sit, sit, sit in there and watch my class. You know, it was, it was kind of cool. You know, I never kicked, said anything. I never kicked them out or anything. But they were enjoying it so much that I never had to kick a kid out of class, you know, ever. Uh, I taught for 30 years and I never had to say, I just say, hey, man, straighten up, you know. And that was about it. I had a great experience teaching high school. I really did. I got to after 30 years, and I wanted to teach more of the JKD stuff. I go to Europe in the summer. And you know how everybody in in Europe is in the summer. They're all in, in the winter. They're 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 there in the summer. They're all in Spain. You know, <laughs> so there's not that many people to go to a seminar for in, in Sweden in in July. You know, they're not around. So when I retired, then I was able to go do you know Europe in different times of the year where I actually had people there at seminars and stuff. And I, all of a sudden, I just started saying, well, this is what I really need to do. I need to get this JKD out there now because I'm kind of bored at this present time. You know, I'm kind of bored. I need to really get out there and start doing it. I need to get people out there that are teaching this and, and is spreading it because all of a sudden I said, I'm doing Inusano stuff and Bremer stuff, and I see how crappy a lot of it is that other people are doing. And I think it's best that maybe I can do something about that. And we have some really great people, and I'm very, very proud of that. But I decided that and after a while, you know, I'm just uh, let them let them run with it. You know, they may screw it all up. Who knows? But hopefully they'll they'll just do individually stuff and do it. You know, so I've had like three different lives. Really, it's been interesting. You've dedicated your book to your grandchildren and uh, Jacob features in the photos of the book. Yeah, I did. Tell us about the guys in the book. So you've got Buster and uh, Dennis, etc. Buster is the reason we have Bert Bowe. Buster was one of my first students. In fact, he might even be in one of the early, earlier books and stuff. But anyway, he was around when he was in high school and stuff. You know, he was about the same age as my daughter. So he was in high school and he'd come around and he was a really cool guy. His, uh, his dad, they have a big contracting firm right now. He's, he spends a lot of his time in Texas because being a contractor and building houses in California is not the easiest thing anymore with all the, you know, you can get, you can go over there and get some property in Texas and build a stuff get all the permits done in a month where it takes you like 10 years in California with all the requirements and stuff. So he's in and out uh, coming from Texas and stuff, but he, he's in there. Actually, he was one of the first guys that fought in the ring for us when he was doing that PKA type stuff. But anyway, he was doing a lot of boxing and Brember, or Bert was at a boxing. I first met Bert because he was uh, going out with a girl I went to school with, Bunny Cabral. And he came by and he saw my Kung Fu stuff and he was, we were friends and stuff, but he wasn't interested. He wasn't, he wasn't around there. All of a sudden he started coming around about 1974, 75. And I said, well, Hey, how you doing? He said, hey, I want to kind of impress with what you guys are doing now. Cause we were doing boxing at that point. You know, we we're doing JKD. 
he said, yeah, just Buster. You know, he came in and he's, uh, uh, I never thought much about this karate kicking and stuff. And all of a sudden he's kicking the bag. And I, I said, wow, that could do some damage there. So that's when Bert showed up. Because I guess it's Bob, uh, he just started doing some tie kicks on the bag and some side kicks. So all of a sudden, Bert recognized right away that this is something. He came in, and all of a sudden, he was impressed with what we were doing. I said, well, this is Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. He said, well, this is really good stuff. And that's where he was there all the time after that. But you see, he wasn't interested when I was doing stuff that wasn't, you know what I mean, that was doing forms and all that kind of stuff, doing Chinese forms and things. He wasn't impressed. But then all of a sudden, he was. I think it's a kind of thing that if you really know what you're doing, if, if you're a good warrior-type mentality, and you look at, at what some people are doing, and you look at other people doing it and say, yeah, this stuff works. That stuff, not so much. And I think that's the kind of people we started getting. Yes. Does that make any sense at all? And then they attract well, other people, you know. Sonny was living near Burton, you know, near, near uh, Bob's house. So Sonny comes over, and he's, uh, he's talking. They would talk, Bob starts talking about Jake, and he says, well, what is that? Because Sonny had been a boxer, and he had been a knife maker and all that stuff. And Bremer says, okay, well, let me show you here. You try to block this. And he hit Sonny in the forehead three or four times. And then all of a sudden, Sonny shows up with, with him. You know, so people, they just were attracted to the fact that it worked and you can make it work. But it takes a hell of a lot of work to make it work. And I think a lot of people gave up on a lot of stuff because they just, it was too hard on them, too hard for them to, to get a leg obstruction. Yeah. To close out the show, like we've, we've lost some JKD legends in recent years. Uh, Richie Bastillo, Pete Jacobs, Tell me Dave about Parnell, it. Pete, various people you know and have trained with everyone. Must affect you, but you know, also you've got really strong, fond memories with these guys. Yeah, it's so sad. You know, Taki's having a lot of problems and stuff. You know, I saw him a, a year or so ago and, and they came and did this kind of a seminar thing. And he, he was just like a guest and his, his son was. You know, they were doing most of the uh, teaching the Seattle curriculum and stuff. You know, I, I knew Taki for years, you know, and uh, considered him a good friend and stuff. And we're talking for about an hour there. He's talking to me about this and that. And when I said, well, I got to go now, Taki. And he says, it was very nice meeting you. That just broke my heart, you know. So right. it is what it is. So, you know, there's not that many stand. In fact, you look at the old backyard school, a picture I have with Dan and Yasano. And, I, and, I have uh, that on my wall. There's like, there's seven of us, you know, and Inusana are the only ones left. You know, Pete's gone, Richard's gone. Richard was the biggest surprise. Bam, he just, he was, there he was and there he wasn't, you know. So you never know, you never know. Sometimes it's time to just put your, I got a lot of books to read. I got a ton of books I need to read and uh, uh, things to do. Not places to travel, I don't need to go travel anywhere. I have to go to North Carolina a few times a year for my, you know, my, my grandkids out that way my daughter out that way but you know what the hell that's about it been there done that so you know there's a couple places i still like to go that i haven't gone not to do martial arts but i've never been to Prague. so at some yeah. point but you know i've done a lot of stuff so i've been to all 50 states you know i'm just kicking back relaxing enjoying it you know all right hey tim thanks buddy i really appreciate you being on the show it's very important to us and and to, to keep in touch and and all the, look, yeah. all the gifts, you don't even realize that you've given us, uh, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm sure I could speak for my other brothers and sisters in the JKD world. It, it is an honor to have gotten to know you and to be a part of the Wednesday night group. It has changed my life and I'm sure the others. So thank you. It will not be forgotten, my friend. Well, you know, I, I was just kind of open enough to have, to not worry about, you know, Bert coming in and, you know, 
contradicting something I was saying or someone said, what the hell are you doing that for? <laughs> I was always open. I always wanted that kind of thing. Like when, when uh, Kennedy used to show up, uh, Lloyd Kennedy, Lloyd. he'd say, look, here's, yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, he, he's been, has, he has had some problems with things, but he's, he's a good guy. He comes around every now and then. He would say, look, I'm going to show you something. If you find that there's a flaw in it somewhere, let me know now because I want to learn that in here and not on the street. And I thought, okay, see, that's the kind of attitude that uh, that you need to All have. Right. But a lot of these guys, you see, oh, hey, I know everything. I trained with blah, blah, blah. And I know, I know all about, you don't have to tell me anything about JKD. I, I know it, you know? Okay, sure you do. Okay, yeah, right. Real quick, I had this one guy, I got to add this in. Years ago, I don't know, I sent out an email about doing a, a JKD class. And I have thousands of emails, and, and this was sent local. And then some guy immediately responds to me. Is this real JKD or is this that JKD bullshit? This is what this guy says <laughs> in an email, right? I yeah. sent him like the Wednesday night crew page and this is who I am. So he actually comes out to the gym and trains. And he worked with Steve. And this guy was terrible. I, I don't know what JKD he was doing, but it was not <laughs> nothing I've ever seen. It was just terrible. So then after classes... Maybe the JKD class, you were doing before right, I met right, you. Right, right. So then he goes, <laughs> and the guy goes, Jim... I would really like to work with you. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy wants to do some private training or something. This is where it's going. I really like to work with you. And I'm thinking, I don't want to work with you. And he goes, I think I can teach you a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> don't call me. I'll call you. Our people will be in touch. <laughs> and, yeah, my, our people it. will call your people. Our people will call your people. Awesome. Tim, thanks again, brother. Great All right. interview. Take it easy, guys. Amen. All right, everybody, another great episode, wonderful episode of Primal Radio. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.